You're listening to the SLP Book Club. We're your hosts, Laura Geisert and Adrian Frost. This month, we're reading Take Time for You by Tina Bogren. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Today, we are starting off a new book, Take Time for You by Tina Bogren. So this book is all about self-care action plans for educators, and we're hoping that everybody out there can benefit from this, not just educators, also parents and anybody who supports a child and who is feeling a little stressed out. But before we get into the book, we wanted to do something a little bit different and share our story about where we started as SLPs, and how we have come to be where we are now. Laura is going to share her story today, so I'm going to let her take it away. All right. Thank you, Adrian. So I started out as an SLP in 2015. I signed with a contracting company. Actually, one of my supervisors in the schools when I was in grad school worked for this company, and I ended up really liking the recruiter I met at CASHA, our convention every year. So I signed with them and got contracted in a very large school district. I'm not going to say which one, but if you know where I live, you probably could guess. For some reason, I had to start late. I had to start in October. They wouldn't let us new contracted employees start in August with everyone else. So I came in after school had been in session for two months. I had a caseload of about 70 kids and every single one was owed two full months of therapy and a lot of IEPs and assessments that were backed up. I immediately had a slipper under me, but someone else was supervising her, but she was seeing my caseload. And basically I was just thrown into a total whirlwind, chaos. We took the whole year trying to get these kids caught up and it was nuts. <laughs> I had two schools. I worked in two neighborhoods that were kind of scary, but I really loved one of the schools. So the next year I requested to only cover that school and they gave me that one and a preschool that was attached. And that next year was also crazy. I was on my own with my caseload and speech improvement kids. I had 85 kids I was seeing every week. Mm, Wow. (laughs) Just every year it kept getting more and more. (laughs) It was nuts. When they added the preschool and then I kept getting referrals at the preschool, I kept screening kids. And then we had speech improvement. I had all these kids that didn't have IEPs and they needed them so bad. But our IEP Mm. schedule was out of control. Wow. Anyway, the next year I was moving. So I moved schools. I moved to a couple other schools. I had one light year. And then the next year was my craziest. If you included my preschool classes, I had over 120 kids I saw. And at this point, I was supervising a slip, you know, the right way. I ended up having a really rough year. And one of those years where a lot of stuff in this book is really speaking to me, the year that I totally broke down when I had 120 kids with my slip, because they gave me preschool classes where these kids didn't have speech on their IEP grid. It was like an integrated Mm. program where the SLP was in the class for two hours a week. Those preschool classes, all four of them grew out of control that year, totally over. I mean, each class had about 20 kids when they were supposed to have 10. And I just was feeling a lot of that guilt where you're like, these kids need my help. 
and I'm not able to provide it. I just can't. And when I talked to my supervisor about my caseload and how out of control it was, she essentially told me, well, the only option is if you uncover some of the kids at your schools. So that would mean I was at the school seeing some kids and just telling some kids' parents, I'm sorry, your kid isn't covered, which wasn't an option for me. So they're putting it on me. I would be the one that had to answer to my administration and the parents and the teachers. When they say, why isn't that kid getting speech? I go, oh, well, that kid's not covered. There's no SLP for that kid. Then it looks horrible on you. It would have been ridiculous. So I just did my best. My health really suffered. So this (laughs) this is why this book is like, I wish I'd had it back then. But yeah, so I switched to part-time the next year. I worked three days a week, but we know if you're an SLP working three days a week, it's more like you now work five days instead of seven because I was writing reports and prepping for therapy on my days off. And then the pandemic hit. I stuck it out for the next year and a half through that school year. And then the pandemic was hard for me. I didn't feel like I was, you know, I just wanted to be in person with my kids when we were remote. And then Adrian actually shared with me the Start Your Private Practice course from Jenna Castro-Casbon. And I started listening to her podcast. I got the course. I took the course and then started the process of opening my private practice. And since that year? What was that? 2021? Yeah, probably. Spring of 2021, I have been just doing private practice and creating materials for Teachers Pay Teachers and now doing this podcast. And I pretty quickly, you know, Adrian just decided to specialize in preschool stuttering. It's very close to my heart. And that's it. All I do is see preschoolers who stutter. But I had to go through the muck (laughs) to to climb out on the other side. I mean, when you're seeing 85 kids a week. It's overwhelming. But you know what? You feel like you can do anything after you do it. You're like, hey, I've seen it all. I know. And when I look back, if I had any advice for a CF now or a new grad, it really takes, I know I've heard a statistic, but I can't remember it exactly. But it takes like somewhere between five and eight years of doing this job to feel like a true expert, to really specialize in something, to really have the swing of things. And I mean, just being on the other end of that statistic, since I think this is our eighth year out of grad school, it's true. Oh, yeah. And the only way you can gain experience is from literally being in the trenches. Yeah. It's just you can picture that first I can picture that first IEP that I was in, how nervous I was, shaky. And then how after you've done just hundreds and hundreds of them, they're nothing. They're like, I, I mean, they're, they're fun to me. I love going to IEPs. <laughs> Depends on the IEP. Well, Some of them yeah. can be stressful, but I love them too. I love reporting positive progress and connecting with parents. It's a really good opportunity to foster that relationship. And you know what? That's what I love about private practice too, is the connection with parents and the involvement of parents, especially doing preschool stuttering. It's always been my favorite part. You know, working with the kids is my favorite part, but connecting with their parents is a big part of it. And you see so much progress when you have a good relationship with the parents. So that is how I got here. I'm sure as we read this book, a lot more stuff will come up. It's almost like I'm journaling as I read, (laughs) writing about experiences I forgot about and it's bringing up a lot of stuff for me. So I'm excited to get into Take Time for You. And, you know, even though I'm not at the school anymore... (laughs) I think this information is great for anybody who's working in this field. I agree. 
Definitely. Well, thank you for sharing, Laura. I hope everybody got to know you a little bit better and understand your background and where you're coming from because you bring such a unique perspective being specialized in preschool stuttering and being so good at what you do. And you're such a great SLP. You're so caring. And I sometimes think, what would Laura do? And that's helpful. When I'm not being my best, going the extra mile SLP, I think, what would Laura do in this moment? And it just pushes me over. (laughs) I don't know if you should be wondering. If you saw what my sessions are really like, you might not keep wondering that. Oh, please. (laughs) All right. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to discuss the introduction and chapter one of this great book. At the SLP Book Club, our mission is to learn, grow, and connect with other SLPs and educators. If you love what we're doing, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a rating and review wherever you listen. This helps other SLPs find the show so our community can grow even stronger. We appreciate you so much and hope you keep listening and reading along with us. Okay, and we're back. So we're going to get into the introduction of Take Time for You. So the book opens up with a story from Tina Bogren about how she made a post on social media. And she was talking about how teachers make more decisions per day than neurosurgeons. And her post went viral. It was more viral than she thought and expected. So she had that initial moment of panic of like, oh, no, I hope I said the right thing. (laughs) And then she double checked her facts. And she did that is actually a true fact that teachers make more decisions per day than neurosurgeons. And despite knowing better, she went and read the comment section. Uh Oh, I know. And you know, Laura, you and I are both Bravo fans. (laughs) And I recently saw something from Lala Kent um, from Vanderpump Rules. And she was talking about the comment section and how you should not go near it with a 10 foot pole. And Tina knew this. I mean, Lala says you can be feeling really good. 99 of the comments can be, yes, girl, do it. You're amazing. And then the one that's bad just makes you go, I'm horrible. I'm the worst. It brings you down. Yeah. Yeah. And poor Tina, you know, she should have known that. And she did, but she couldn't help herself. So when she went to the comment section, there was so many mean comments talking about how teachers are dumb, teachers are lazy, how her last name sounds like the word booger, <laughs> which is just rude, honestly. Yeah. Low blow. Yeah, totally. How teachers are overpaid, just horrible things. So of course, Tina was like, what? Teachers are the hardest working people I know. Like, how dare you? So she shared some stats that are actually a real bummer. The profession of teaching loses 50% of new teachers within the first five years, which is 4% more professionals than other professions. And 15.7% of teachers quit every single year and fewer than 34%, I think, make it to retirement. I was trying to understand that last part. Is that what it meant? That's not right. I thought it was of the people... Of the ones that leave every year, fewer than 30% of them are are retiring. So that oh. means that 70% of the people who leave every year are oh. not even retiring. They're just switching professions. Oh, just quit. Oh, thank you for clarifying because... It's not good. That's even... That is more disappointing. I mean, gosh, yeah. 
And I know if you've spent time in a school, you've seen those teachers who are like amazing, but they get burnt out. And I've known a lot of teachers who have just left the profession instead of making it to retirement or, you know, they're part of that 70% statistic. So she does a really great job of explaining how much teachers really juggle on the day to day, you know. Yeah, there are teachers who just aren't good at what they do. I think in every profession there, you know, it's always a bell curve. There's always people who make up one side of the bell curve. But the majority work really, really hard. They plan engaging lessons. They're trying to support students, again, who are all over the bell curve. There are students who need more support, the students who are more advanced and need more challenge. They're spending late nights at school, coaching, grading, planning, cheering, meeting, worrying like a lot of teachers go home and they're not able to be fully present with their family because they're worrying about their students so teachers really take their job seriously and they have to wear a lot of hats throughout the day so tina feels that the answer to the question how else can i help ease the burden lighten the load honor the work and sing the praises of hard-working dedicated and passionate educators beyond what i provide during my professional development training is self-care So Tina has a background in doing professional development training, which makes her a great person to write this book because she knows how to reach the masses. And we're hoping that with our podcast, we can help even more people by introducing people to her book. Many teachers put their students before themselves, but teachers are still struggling to stay afloat without the tools to learn how to properly thrive. This book will help you create rituals, routines, procedures, habits, and mind shifts. So, you know, she really stresses that this book is for all educators, not just teachers. So also SSLPs. Some of the most stressed out people I have met on campus are the mental health providers, especially post-pandemic. School psychologists have a really big workload too. So this is really for everyone who works at a school, even paraprofessionals. You know, there is This is for everyone. And even if you don't work at a school, parents, family, friends, you know, this book can be beneficial for everybody. So don't discount it just because it says educators on the cover. And after we've dug into the first couple of chapters, you know, I think it really can apply to a lot of different people. So you can also consider using this book with an accountability partner or maybe with your whole department or your grade level team if you want to work with others. Yeah. And we already talked about that. We're going to do that for each other, right? Yes, absolutely. I need an accountability (laughs) buddy. (laughs) Me too. Yes. So there are some pre-engagement questions at the end of the introduction. These are really meant to be answered on the pages of the book. Like there's some great spaces and lines where you can just fill it out directly in the book if you want. What is your greatest hope for doing this work in the book? What will prevent you from engaging in this work? Some examples might be getting sick, your children or your partner getting sick, feeling too overwhelmed to spend time on it, or comparing yourself to others. And then once you've thought about some reasons that you might struggle, consider how you can overcome these obstacles. Why will this time be different? And what is your plan for sidestepping your usual challenges and frustrations? And Laura, I have to tell you, I know that we keep missing We keep finding out that, oh, this month is national blah, blah, blah month. And we always pick (laughs) the wrong book. So I just found out today that April is National Stress Awareness Month. (laughs) And this is our May book, just like we picked our autism book for the wrong month too. Yes. We're always just a month or two off. Yes. But you know what? For me, every month is stress awareness. Every day. Stress awareness day. (laughs) Every single day. 
And once you learn this techniques in this book, you're going to have reminders on your phone. You're going to be thinking about it. Trust me. Oh, yeah. Chapter one involves taking a self inventory of how your self care is presently. So this is really private work that should be done when you have some quiet time. So you know, kind of carve out some time where you can sit down and sort of take stock of where you're at currently with your self care. And try not to judge your responses. This is just a way to get a baseline for yourself before moving through the book. And it's probably going to be really cool to look back and see like, wow, I've made so much progress. So don't get too down on yourself. There's a survey on page 11 that's pretty long. It includes questions about how much water you're drinking, how much sleep you're getting, if you're eating nutritious foods, how much physical activity you're participating in, how safe you feel at school, your sense of belonging, your self-esteem, your self-actualization and transcendence. So I did fill out this portion of the book. I have to admit, I mean, Laura knows I'm going through a pretty stressful time in my life right now. So my answers are kind of like different than I think they would normally be. But I excel in the physiology area, which if you ask just like Adrian, do you excel in the physiology area of your life? I'd be like, no, <laughs> not really. But in comparison to the others, I do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I try to drink water like six glasses isn't actually a lot. Yeah. I think you should be drinking like a gallon of water a day. I try to drink at least um, eight 16 ounce glasses. But I do know there are some days where I look back on the day and I go, what happened? Did I drink water today? Yeah. Especially when you're doing something with your hands. Like Laura, you were just telling me about setting up a bunch of patio furniture. How can you be drinking water when you're busy? You know? Yeah. Same with like sleep and physical activity. I like to walk and do more vigorous activity when I can. But yeah, overall, like my safety isn't hot right now. Same with belonging was kind of all over the place. And transcendence is not there. <laughs> Simply is not there. So I think we can talk about it as we move through the chapter, because there's some pretty interesting frameworks to think about this stuff through. But mm -hmm. Laura, is there anything you want to share about your results? Well, yeah, so I made a little list. I mean, physiology, we've talked about before, I'm I go through periods where I'm a little bit of a health nut. I'm in a period right now where I'm not very focused on my physical health. So I do want to be drinking more water, eating healthy, getting more exercise and getting better quality sleep. But we'll talk about that in the next chapter. Esteem, I just really want to work on how I speak to myself. That voice in your head, sometimes you're a lot more hard on yourself than you would be with anybody else. And then self-actualization, like I have a lot of goals, but I often feel like I can't accomplish them. And you know, it's that thing where you feel really defeated every day because you make a to-do list and you barely get through any of it. Yes. I always have that constantly yes. running all the stuff I didn't get done. And then with transcendence, you know, personally that I went through a big gratitude period recently where I was doing the magic yes. <laughs> and I got over gratitude. Like I gratituded myself out. I couldn't do it anymore because I was doing too much writing pages in a journal about my gratitude every day. So I have to go back to the basics with gratitude. And yeah, basically I have areas to work on in each of these. <laughs> yeah, same. And I think actually that's probably going to be the same for most people who are listening and reading along with us. Mm -hmm. So once you complete the survey, there are a series of reflection questions to help you kind of go deeper. So you can read through those on your own, sort of see, it helps you just to think the bigger picture about your self care. 
And when you begin to make changes in your life, you might feel like you have really limited time. And this is always how I feel when I try to change something or like start a new hobby or, you know, better myself in some way. I always run up against that wall of feeling like I don't have enough time to like be better at this. Mm -hmm. But Tina recommends doing a time audit to see how much time you're spending doing mindless things like scrolling on your phone or on the internet or watching TV. So if you do a time audit, and I think, I don't know if, I can't remember if there's a form in the book or not, but you can just do it on your own. But if you find that your time is well spent, even if you're watching TV, you know, then that's fine. This is just about sort of taking an objective look because sometimes seeing things written down can give you a different perspective. So she recommends spending one whole day recording the start and end times of every single activity that you do. And you should also write down your feeling while you're doing this activity. So if you feel energized, if you feel relaxed, if you feel stressed, and it's a good idea to do this for a typical work day and then a typical weekend day. There are, again, more reflection questions to answer once you've done your time audit regarding how much time you're spending on low value things versus high value things. A while ago, I wanted to see how I was spending my time. Yeah. And I got an app called Toggle Track, T-O-G-G-L. For each activity, you just put in what you're doing and you hit the start and then you do your activity and then you hit stop when you're done so that you you kind of just on the app track your whole day. Uh, there's always an app <laughs> for that. Is there an app for that? I mean, yes. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> it was helpful until I just stopped using it and kept getting notified like, are you still eating lunch? It's been seven hours. Oh, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Well, I wanted to share something about the book that I really love, which is they have a website that you can go to to print out all of their forms and charts. So it is go.solutiontree.com slash instruction. So if you go there, you can find printable versions of everything in the book. So if you're working with a team or a partner, you can go there and find all of that information. Yeah. And a lot of the books we've read, it's almost like we're reading the book for you. This book, if you want to do this work, I would really recommend getting the book and going through it because I don't know, reading it, it's bringing up a lot for me. It's really more like a workbook where she encourages you to write all over it, use it as a journal, go back to things, reread right. things, reread what you wrote. So I do think this is an important one. If you're really ready to make time for yourself and take care of yourself as an educator or SLP, get this book and do all the exercises. Absolutely. I've already been recommending it to people like friends of mine who are teachers who I know are really stressed out, especially this time of the school year, which is why we chose it right now is, you know, that April, May slog is really tough. And it's IEP season <laughs> yeah. for all of us special educators. So now would be a great time to do this. And once you have a plan in place, you can use it next year and see what difference it makes year over year for you. Mm -hmm. So Tina covers Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which I really love how she talks about this. We need to think about the hierarchy of needs when we're considering self-care. Instead of the traditional pyramid, she presented the hierarchy of needs as a ladder to emphasize how each level builds on the previous one and helps you to reach new heights. So from the bottom to the top, the needs are physiological needs, safety needs, belonging needs, esteem needs, self-actualization, and then transcendence at the very top. 
So you can think about this as like if your level one and two needs, physiological and safety, aren't met, then it's probably going to be really hard for you to focus on your job or your life outside of school. However, if your level one and two needs are met, then you might be able to focus on what's occurring around you, but you're probably pretty disengaged in general. If your level one through four needs are met, then you can pull yourself up the ladder all the way to the fifth and sixth rung. And you can begin to start experiencing self-actualization and transcendence. And at that level, you're probably feeling pretty motivated and inspired. So give yourself a pat on the back if you're already there. (laughs) (laughs) But if your self-care survey revealed high scores for every level, then you are totally living a fulfilled life, committed to helping others. You should be really proud of yourself. Two thumbs up. You'll most likely be stuck at the level of questions that you answer no to. So you can kind of go through the rungs and ask yourself, are my physiological needs met? And if the answer is yes, you can move up to the next one. Are my safety needs met? And if you say no, then, you know, that's where you're going to be stuck at on the ladder. So Maslow's framework is essential throughout the book and to your self-care. You may need to get used to running through the questions on the ladder if you find yourself feeling off and you don't know why. So This can help you pinpoint exactly what's going on and you can use strategies to target that. And I know, Laura, like you and I, I mean, we've talked about this before. We're pretty into self-care, self-actualization, self-help books. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of stuff on Instagram and I know that sometimes, you know, you'll feel it in your body before your brain kind of registers with it. So you will feel off. And there are literal moments that I have where I'm standing there. I'm like, I just feel so weird. Or like, why do I feel sad? And then once I'm able to pinpoint the feeling, I can kind of start to put the pieces together. Oh, I feel sad because I heard that sad story about this like tragic thing that happened to somebody's neighbor and it's just lingering with me. Mm -hmm. And once you can kind of name it and identify it and then sit with the feeling, it tends to process a lot easier. Yeah. So Tina gives an example of being at the grocery store And she said the aisle was kind of blocked and she like couldn't really get around the person. She was frustrated and she saw that her favorite LaCroix flavor was out and she was upset, which listen, lady, I would be mad too. (laughs) I currently have three flavors of LaCroix in my fridge right now and it is essential. (laughs) Um, Pop quiz, Laura, what's your favorite flavor of LaCroix or sparkling water? I have recently switched to Spindrift and Bubbly. I used to be a LaCroix gal, but uh, the Spindrift Blood Orange Tangerine is my new one. Ooh, citrus. What's your favorite? I like all the citrus flavors of LaCroix. Of course, Pamplemousse or Grapefruit is the classic. You cannot go wrong. Oh, yeah. But I am a huge Uh fan of Pure. And everybody gives me a hard time about the pear. blue one, <laughs> the blue one that has no flavor oh my, at all. That's just nothing. Get a Perrier. <laughs> I know, but I sometimes it's refreshing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Pure. So, and did you know that they have a cola flavor? I. It's rare. It's rare and it comes in the tall skinny can, oh. but it is so good. It's just like, it sounds weird because it's like Coke without yeah. the like sweetener. Okay. But sometimes it's, it's try to find good it. on a hot day. That's all I have to say. Yeah. So anyway, Tina was going through these thoughts in her head about the LaCroix becoming frustrated. And then when she looked internally, why am I getting so mad about this? I think she said she was even kind of throwing her hands up and yeah. huffing. Yeah. She realized she had only gotten four hours of sleep the night before. She hadn't eaten in a while and she had had too many cups of coffee. 
So she was able to identify right away what she could do to fix her situation in the moment and then make a plan to fix everything else as soon as she possibly could. So I think she even said she drank like a water that she had in the cart, paid for it later. But, you know, she immediately started taking action. So teachers who are thriving and can answer yes to the questions on their own ladders can help others, including students, move up their ladders. So thriving teachers are less likely to leave the profession and more likely to foster classroom engagement which affects student achievement and learning. So these teachers are probably more likely to engage in all of those amazing activities we talked about last month with social emotional learning Mm -hmm. and the brain. And we know about the trickle down of how those affect kids. So when you have more energy, when you're feeling better, when you're thriving, you're able to share that energy with your students and they'll benefit from that. You might want to consider printing out copies of the ladder framework on page 17, or there's more questions on page 19, and just kind of pick which ones resonate with you most. And you can post these lists of questions in your car, your classroom, your office, and these can just kind of help remind you to check in often throughout the day. You can also consider pairing behaviors that you already have as habits with checking in. And that way the check-ins will become more habitual more quickly. So maybe this is something like every time you check your messages, if you have a off period or between groups or between classes, you can think like, okay, if I'm picking up my phone before I open it up, I'm going to look at my ladder and kind of figure out where I'm at. Or same, like if you take out your lunch to eat it before you dig in, you can kind of run through the ladder and just check in with yourself. Mm -hmm. So there's a list of questions on page 22 that you can fill out that will help you to further establish the new habit. And these questions are kind of like, I will notice how I feel at least blank times per day. Or to remember to check in on how I feel, I'll set a reminder on my phone or make a note in my calendar or stick a note to my mirror. And again, there are more reflection questions at the end of the chapter on page 24 if you want to do some deeper reflecting around these foundational topics. And that is it for chapter one. So I hope that everybody was able to sort of get in touch with themselves and figure out where their self-care is, where they need to improve. And hopefully you have a plan in place for how to check in with yourself moving forward. Yeah. I know I say it every month, but this month, I think this is the book I'm the most excited about because it's about me. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about me. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm so, so excited to dig into this one. I can't wait. Me too so much. And I agree with you, Laura. This is, it's about time that we focus on ourselves. I mean, we give so much to our students and when we are in a better place, we can be better for our kids. So exactly. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we look forward to talking more about Take Time for You next time. Bye, Laura. Bye, Adrian. The SLP Book Club is not just a podcast. It's a community. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash the SLP Book Club to join the discussion after each episode. Want even more of the SLP Book Club? We've made all the resources for this book, including chapter summaries and visuals, available for free on our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash the SLP Book Club to download these great materials. To learn more about the SLP Book Club, go to the slpbookclub.com. You can contact us by emailing hello at the slpbookclub.com. Follow us on Instagram at slp underscore book club. Find us on TikTok at the SLP Book Club. 